Warm Weather Fans is brought to you by Zencaster. As you can hear at the beginning of each episode, we use Zencaster to record and host all of our podcast episodes, and the platform is incredibly easy and user-friendly. Users can record up to 4K video quality and high-quality audio with just the click of a button, as you can hear from our episodes. Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes any feedback in your recording and gives each user their own dedicated audio stream. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with just the click of a button. So now go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my promo code WARM and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and recording needs. It's time to share your story with Zencaster. Welcome everybody into another edition of Warm Weather Fans, the Sunbelt Podcast. My name is Brian Stone, joined once again this week by Matt Miguez and Zeke Palermo. Uh, I want to start it off with Matt. Matt, uh, first of all, how are you doing? I'm a two-part question. First of all, how are you doing? Second of all, did the Pelicans media day just revolve around how fat Zion Williamson is at this point in his career. Anyway, go. I'm doing very well. Uh, really appreciate you asking. And actually quite the contrary, uh, Zion Williamson looks fantastic. And so much so he even walked past the table of donuts without eating. Um, so look, it, it's a step in the right direction, but no, in, in all, in all seriousness, I, I, look, Zion looked good. Um, the Pelicans, for the first time in franchise history, have hired a physical therapist on their staff. Um, so who knows? Maybe they stay healthy and have success. So I, it's almost like an it's almost like an onion headline. A hundred and ninety two million dollar man walks past tray of donuts without eating one. Like it's some <laughs> sort of like Herculean feat that he just didn't stuff his face in the middle of you got you no, were sitting I, there watching him with binoculars being like what's he doing I ate his chair for him <laughs> all right and the the myth the man the legend Zeke Palermo is also here who knows if we've had some technical difficulties who knows if he makes it through this episode if he doesn't we'll just uh credit the ghost of Zeke Palermo for this episode but Zeke you had Something you wanted to do that you wouldn't tell me and Matt what it was. So the floor is yours. It, it wasn't a secret secret, but uh, over the past, you know, probably longer than we haven't been doing it, we've been doing Where Was Zeke in History, where you guys got to take shots um, at my uh, the, the age gap between us. And so I wanted to take this as an opportunity to uh, turn this into a learning experience for me. Um, and I, I want to hear about y'all's experience with, with MySpace. What did your MySpace page look like? Um, and, and then lead into that. Also, the, uh, the, the early days of Facebook. Brian, did you ever poke your now wife? Uh, these are things uh, I need to know and, and hear about. Matt, do you want to go first? Or... So my MySpace page was super lame. Um, because I jumped in, so my parents didn't allow me to have social media until I was 12, almost 13. Um, I, I got my, I got my MySpace and Facebook page two months before my 13th birthday. Um, so MySpace was on a ventilator at, at that point, literally hanging on by a thread. Um, so my page was super lame. Um, it had nothing but grungy 
2000s rock music on there. You know, some good Charlotte, Green Day kind of vibes. Um, and, and Facebook, yes, I, I poked quite a few people. Um, it, it actually, it, it almost, like, you know how Snapchat, you have your streaks, you Snapchat your streaks every day? Facebook, was, it was yep. kind of the same yep. thing with poking. Like, you went and you poked the same people every single day. Um, and what's the point of poking someone? It, no one knows. <laughs> no, one, no one understands. We just clicked a button, and it was like, hee you poked me, I poke you back. Like, looking back at it now, really dumb. But when you were 13, it was the funniest thing. So, you know, whatever. Uh, but, Brian, you're a couple years older than me, so I would love to hear your MySpace experience. Yeah, so MySpace was huge uh, when I was in, like, middle school. Uh, so I want to say 05 to 08 or 09. It was, like, the, at its at its peak for us anyway. And, and you could... Like Matt said, you could tell it was dying like at a certain point. It was like everybody sort of got off there. They were sort of looking for somewhere else to go. And luckily for them, Facebook popped up. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same as Matt. I, the, the, the fun of MySpace was being able to customize your entire page from like kids that didn't know coding were trying to plug like HTML layouts in and it would break and it would be like things would be in the wrong spot. Videos would play like really loudly autoplay that you couldn't control and like if the if the code was broken you couldn't find the video to stop it so you would just like click off of someone's page like right away it was a it was a mess i mean it was great but and and like matt i mean my song that i think i had on my myspace for the longest was like feeling this by blink 182 uh i think so that was sort of my go-to and then like eventually transitioned over to facebook got into facebook like in its early stages and was sort of like Going from MySpace to Facebook is like, what's the point of this? Like, you can't do anything, really, you know? And, and so I, I was pretty underwhelmed. I don't think I used any social media for a couple years until I sort of got ju- late junior year of high school, senior year. Like, that was when I used Facebook primarily. So that's pretty much my experience uh, using it altogether. Zeke, you you caught the Blink-182 rep. You know who that is, right? I... Again, I'm not certain I could like list any songs from them, but I'm aware that they exist, and I know that within like the context of like that rock grunge idea, they're relevant and important. Finish the lyric. Say it ain't so. I only know the Weezer song. <laughs> that is not. A I mean, Weezer. I'll give you. I'll give you half a point for that because that that's that's solid. They go say it ain't so. Right, yeah. and no, I'll give you. They, uh, now I'll give you a full point for actually singing it. Yeah. Um, Yes, but uh, say it ain't so. I will not go. Turn the lights off. Carry me home. Da-da. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I that's a banger that holds up. Zeke, if you want to, if you want like a early thousands punk banger, type in the song that I had on my MySpace the longest, "Feeling This," Blink One Eighty Two, and just the video's nuts, but like the song is is great. So just. Bookmark that for later. We don't want your computer to catch on fire midway through this episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's get into this past week's games of football. Uh, Matt, we're going to start off with your team here because you guys played, I think it, it was like a noon Eastern kick. Uh, Louisiana falls to Minnesota 24 or 35-24. Um, 
kind of the same story. I, I watched most of this because it was one of the few games that were on at noon, to be quite frank. And so um, it was kind of the same story as you guys playing Buffalo, right? Like you, you jump out, play well early, kind of fade late. And I think what really surprised me was the fact that Minnesota didn't necessarily have to throw the football to beat you guys was was sort of what caught me off guard. So give me your sort of your overall thoughts uh, on on the way this one went down. Look, um, you know, I, now that I've had a couple of days to kind of fully you know dissect it and and break it down, look, I'm I'm pleased with the effort. I, I thought the Cajuns went out and they did a lot of things well. Um, you know, you were only down four points going into the fourth quarter against a Big Ten team at their house. Like for for a Sun Belt school, you know that that's a that's a lot to to say. Um, but look, I, I think it really came down to uh, you know Minnesota plays the traditional Big Ten football. They have heavy three hundred plus pound offensive linemen that just absolutely bully you and wear you down. Um, and, and by the fourth quarter, I think the Cajuns' defense was gashed, and Minnesota w- was able to take advantage of that. Um, but look, I, I think it's certainly disappointing to lose by 11 to a team of Minnesota's caliber, knowing that when you go back and look at the film, you had chances to win. Uh, you had chances to make plays and really change the trajectory of this game. Uh, but look, all in all, you're 3-2 and two coming back home. Uh, you got one more game until you're by. And obviously, we're going to talk about that here here in a little bit. It, it may very well be the game of the week in, in this conference. I mean, Louisiana Texas State is going to be worth the price of admission. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll get into that a little bit. But look, overall, I'm pleased with the effort. Just a little disappointed in the fact that you had chances to put in capital. No, I I definitely understand the the struggle of of playing Big Ten schools. Georgia Southern, you know, obviously played Wisconsin this year. We played. Minnesota a couple years back and and it was really close there at the end but the they used to have a quarterback that was like a spitting image of um PJ Fleck uh Tanner Morgan I think his name was he he was also bald he was also bald he looked like he was going on 35 and and uh, yeah he looked like PJ Fleck's brother but yeah they they took he took them down and and they scored a touchdown like right at the end that gave them the win so I get how disappointing that can be. Uh, Zeke, do you have anything for Matt on this game? Any questions or anything like that? Yeah, uh, Matt, I know you're big on Zeon Chris, I, and it looks like he's going to be the quarterback of the future for this team. Um, but does it like what? How do you feel about him leading the team in rushing, uh, especially when you consider that between Kibodi and Washington, only five carries from the running backs in the second half? Uh, and then on top of that, Zion Chris being your leading rusher, like uh, just what are your thoughts around that? You're talking about leading rusher just for that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for that game specifically. Look, I mean, I, I don't love the idea of your quarterback also being the leading rusher, but at the same time, as as a redshirt freshman, if you see something from the opposing team's defense where you're like, okay, I can exploit them and get some yards with my feet, then go for it. Because um, look, if – I'll play devil's advocate and flip the script on you. If Louisiana would have won that game and Zion Chris would have been the leading rusher, we'd be sitting here going, wow, Zion Chris was a freak with his legs. So it's just one of those things where, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, No, I would have definitely loved to see Draylon Washington and Jacob Cabote get featured a little bit more uh, in that game. But credit to Minnesota, they were doing a nice job of stopping 
the interior running game with Kabodi and Washington, and Chris was able to get a couple more yards than the running backs were able to. So I'm fine with it. Yeah, that that's all I needed. Matt, I, I have one final point on this game that I wanted to ask yeah. you about. Um, obviously, Zeon Chris, you know, you you said last week is is kind of the quarterback of the future for you guys. Did throw two picks in this one, so do you just kind of chalk this up to growing pains, or do you think that this is is maybe something to be a little concerned about? So I'm I'm slightly concerned because now his touchdown to interception ratio is one to one, um, which that that is a little concerning. But also, I think a large majority of it is growing pains, freshman mistakes. You know, one of them was late. and He's just trying to force things, um, and, and it came back to cost him. So, you know, if it continues, my concern level will obviously, you know, will grow. Uh, but right now through really, uh, we'll say two and a half games that he's been the starter, um, I'm just going to chalk it up to, to freshman mistakes. All right. Well, with that, Minnesota moves to three and two this season and Louisiana drops one and two. Let's get into this next game here. Uh, I don't think that I, I I think I speak for all of us. I don't think I'm just speaking for myself when I say that JMU has kind of cemented themselves as the best team in the Sun Belt to this point in the season. Correct? Like, I don't, I'm not alone on that. I, yeah, probably unanimous here. Yeah. So James Madison goes out and beats South Alabama 31-23. Last week, we talked about sort of the yo-yo of South Alabama, where one week they'll go out and and beat a Big 12 school 33-7, and then they'll come out and lay an egg. And, you know, they lose to Central Michigan. They're sort of riding that, you know, you usually say riding that high. They're, like, still on the downslope into this game against the Dukes. And... I mean, to, with 11 minutes left in the game, this one was 31 to 10. So it was a real beatdown that South Alabama honestly shouldn't have even been in. I I don't even know, like, I, I can't, other than last year's App State team, which is sort of the trajectory this South Alabama team's heading toward, I don't know, I can't think of many more disappointing football teams that we have looked at and said, I think this team's really going to be great and just totally under-delivered on expectations so Zeke I I want to throw it to you on the South Alabama side of things and then we'll go to Matt about James Madison and give them their their due praise for sure but what do you what do you even do because uh, again we talked about it we talk about it like every week I feel like they returned so many starters from last year you would think it would have been a smooth year-to-year transition and it seems like outside of one or two games that they just keep regressing like I don't I don't really understand what the deal is uh, uh I, if I could diagnose it I would realistically not be on this podcast and we making a lot more money uh because this is a just so baffling that a team that I think going into this season um was our pick was a consensus top two in the west and probably consensus top three in the conference and you look back at their schedule uh, they lost to Tulane, they lost to Central Michigan, and now they've lost to, admittedly, a very good James Madison team. You can hang your hat on a 33-7 win over Oklahoma State, but other than that, there's not a whole lot going for you. Um, I don't love that this team doesn't seem to give the ball to their best player um, in the offense, that being Damian Webb. Uh, his touch numbers have been uh, a little low for my liking, although he, he got seven catches, which is... Uh, I believe a c- career high for him. He's not usually featured in the uh, the passing game like he was 
against James Madison. Um, but I, I don't believe that's going to be a new facet of their offense. That was just because they were down by a lot super early. Um, I, I hate to, to be given this question and say, I don't know, but it's like, if anyone could diagnose it, they would have diagnosed it already. And right now it just is maybe South Alabama got really, really lucky last season and wasn't as good as their wins indicated. Yeah. I I mean, when I'm looking, I'm looking through the Sunbelt conference standings as it sits today. If you would have told me we were five games into the season, that that South Alabama would have a worse record than Texas State, Arkansas State. I mean, frankly, no offense, Matt, Louisiana, UL Monroe. If you had told me that pre week one, I wouldn't have believed. I would have called you crazy. But here, here we are. We're five weeks in in their season. I mean, they're only zero and one in conference play, so they still have a chance to turn around there. But man, two and three, five games in, and it's not like they've played like. I mean, Tulane's pretty good. JMU's pretty good, but it's not like they've played like a murderer's row where they're just like loaded up on on tough teams. It's like they're just not playing very well. So, Matt, I want to throw it to you on James Madison. McLeod played good once, played well once again. He's not the most efficient quarterback in the world. He's not Todd Santeo of last year, but man, with a defense this good, it you, you it's not even really necessary. Like he, they're just making it work just based all around how good their defense. No doubt. Um, that, that, that's kind of the thing, right? James Madison's defense has been so good. That was their calling card last year. And then you threw in, like you just mentioned, Todd Centeno being a very efficient, you know, find a way to get it done type of quarterback. Uh, Jordan McLeod may have played his best game of the season on Saturday. I mean, you look at the two touchdown passes that he threw in the first quarter, both of them 40-plus yards long. Um so, so the deep ball was clearly working for the Dukes. You get a pick six in the second quarter. You go into the locker room with a 24-7 to lead. I mean, look, I don't care who you're playing. You got a 24-7 lead at the break. You are feeling damn good about yourself. Um, you hold South Alabama to just a field goal in the third quarter to make it a 14-point game. And then you come out to open the fourth quarter and you throw a 66-yard bomb to ice the game. Look, you can talk about, oh, you know, great for – South Alabama to keep fighting and keeping it close. It was 31 to 10. That game was over. Um, but and look, I'll I'll give South Alabama their credit. They tried to get back in it. They kept it close, but they just ran out of time. Uh, but no, look, James Madison is for real. They are hands down the best team in the Sun Belt right now. Um, and and I know we sound like a broken record, but we keep bringing this up. But it is a damn shame that they're not going to be able to play for a conference championship. I mean, we we might honestly see a team go 12 and 0. And not play for their conference title. That's not insane. A bowl, not a bowl either, right? Right. That's insane. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, this sh- I mean, I hate that JMU should be the example that that is set for the NCAA. But I think as good as they are, I think if you, like you said, if you let a team go undefeated this season like JMU and they're not able to play in their conference championship game or play in a bowl game, I think that that means there's something really, really wrong with college football and that things need to change very quickly because, it, again, it sucks when you're when you're the example that needs to be set, but we know college football is very slow to change. So I, I, I've never understood that rule. It doesn't it has never made sense to me. If a team moves up, why would you disqualify them? If anything, you should be giving them the advantage because they're playing 
you know, up in competition, but it's just, I, I don't really get it. But like you said, McLeod played really well, uh, you know, three touchdowns, 241 yards, one pick. Uh, Zach Horton had 116 receiving yards and two touchdowns on just three catches. Uh, Zeke, I'm sure, is playing the dreaded what if you take his two long touchdown catch uh, away game. Um, but uh, but otherwise, man, J- JMU looks like an absolute wagon this year, and they're going to be impossible, near impossible for anybody to beat at this stage as, as far as it sits today. But with that, JMU moves to 5-0 and in in – for the season, two and zero in Sunbelt play. South Alabama drops to two and three and has now dropped their Sunbelt opener. Let's get into this next one here, man. Uh, men, uh, Arkansas State puts on an absolute offensive clinic uh, on the road at UMass, fifty-two twenty-eight. Matt, um, I know we talk about how you feel about Zion Chris as your quarterback. Man, Jalen Rayner at Arkansas State is essentially just like a a mirror image of what you what you guys have. He's he's absolutely just fantastic. Um, he he's exactly what Arkansas State needed. Um, six touchdowns in this game. Look, I know it's against UMass, so take it for what you want. Um, but that ties the Arkansas State record. Um, Arkansas State has looked you know pretty solid. I mean, they they beat Southern Miss, which again, say what you want about Southern Miss, but they're one to know in Sun Belt. Like they they've they're they're on the right track. Um, three and two is a great place to be. Five games in. Look, I still think this is a five and seven football team. Uh, maybe six and six. But look, after after the last couple of years, that might be enough to keep Butch Jones around. Because uh, look, you got a young quarterback, you've got young weapons, you've got a talented defense. It might be one of those things where, okay, you can do this with a freshman. Imagine what you're going to be doing when he's a junior. Like, so maybe if he can get a couple more wins under his belt before the end of the season, he might save his job in Jonesboro. That's a big if. Uh, Because if you look up and down this schedule that's left for Arkansas State, there's not a ton that you can project as a win. Troy, Coastal, ULM, Louisiana, South Al, Texas State, Marshall. Uh, It's hard to project any of those as a win. They beat ULM. Okay. And I'm I'm gonna be honest with you because it's such a rivalry game. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if they beat Louisiana. Sure. I really I, would. you you can put your mortgage on that. I'll put mine on they don't win the rest uh, another game the rest of this season. Oh my god, I, 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 will, say, out? I, I will say that Jalen Rayner, uh to your point, he's looking crazy. I mean, if you look at the Sunbelt uh their website, he Jalen Rayner has ten touchdowns. That would be joint fourth in the Sun Belt, but he doesn't qualify for the leaderboard because he hasn't played enough games. Uh, he would be tied with TJ Finley for fourth with 10 touchdowns, but he's thrown a third as many attempts. The The dude is scoring at an, an obnoxious rate. Keep in mind, again, their last three games are against UMass, Southern Miss, and Stony Brook, but he looks like he could be legit. Uh, I still don't. Love Arkansas State, but but you know you know to he's your, legit. To your point, who they've played in the last three weeks: UMass, Stony Brook, and Southern Miss. Maybe not the Southern Miss game could be thrown into this, but the first step to becoming a better program is beating the teams that you were supposed to beat, and Arkansas State's doing that now. Sure, it, it, it's very possible looking at their schedule that they could 
lose out and and finish three and nine. Uh, but if Jalen Rayner keeps playing, you know, half the way that that he's playing right now, I I, I can't see them losing the next seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, could I see them losing five out of seven? Certainly. That's why I have them going five and seven. Um, but I I think that he's just too talented um, to to keep this offense down uh, for too long. But look, I'm looking ahead here. Troy is minus 16 on Saturday. Give me the Red Wolves plus 16. Just saying. I I mean, now either one if either one of you have a take on what I'm about to say, you can jump in. If they lost out and went three and nine, mm-hmm. would they be maybe the most encouraging three and nine team ever? Because think about it, it you could look at it and go, obviously we didn't win as many games as we wanted to, but you found a quarterback. He's a true. What is he? A true freshman? Like this is hypothetically a guy you can build your program around for the next three years plus, you know, or so what's the, what's, you know, again, we didn't project this to be a talented team coming into the season. So the fact that they found this kind of diamond in the rough player, he's going to go through some growing pains in these next couple games. And we're going to kind of see what he's made of because the level of competition is going to ratchet way up. But I mean, look, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Arkansas State losing to Southern Miss and then you and then UMass like because mm-hmm. with JT Shrout that was where they were headed so right I, I think they deserve you know like Matt said like a ton of credit for winning these games because we didn't we didn't originally have them projected to win those games so yeah I, I mean obviously you can't say enough good things about what Jalen Rayner did six touchdowns no interceptions 20 of 25 passing like that's that's gross um so yeah, great win for Arkansas State. Uh, Butch Jones has to feel like Jalen Rayner's single-handedly maybe saving his job at least to this point in the season. So Arkansas State moves to three and two this season. UMass drops to one and five. Let's get into this next one here. I I did not expect uh, a points fest in Marshall Old Dominion, but that w- what we got was essentially a shootout, which uh, again. Did not see that coming. 41-35. Marshall stays undefeated. Um, Zeke, were you, you were on the, the Shields train last week, correct? I, these two quarterbacks, yeah, like, I'm, I've forgotten the other one's name, but you guys were kind of arguing back and forth about who should who should play moving forward. I, I don't recall if I was on the he's the answer train, but I, I do remember and stood by saying that he was certainly going to start this game because what he did was came in for a really bad Old Dominion offense and, you know, at least flatlined them uh, as opposed to, you know, being uh, the the depths of misery. He made them competent and they, they scored 35 against Marshall. I I don't think he played exceptionally well. Uh, 11 for for 23 is fine, but he threw three interceptions and only 95 yards. If it wasn't for Kadarius Calloway, I don't think Old Dominion would have been in this game at all. But I I think he proved that he's just as good as the guy they had previous. Uh, and so that's really all I have to say about Jack Shields, that he is a quarterback that plays for Old Dominion. Wow, a ringing endorsement for Jack Shields. Uh, <laughs> Mind how the tables have turned. I, hey, I don't recall being all, all he is the savior, but I did say he was going to start, and start he did. Et tu, Zeke. You just stabbed, me, stabbed him in the back. Like, 
you were on his side last week, and now now you're dagger deep in his back. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I certainly agree that if it wasn't for Kadarius Callaway averaging 21 yards a carry, um, that they would not have been in this football game. Can 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 we just? Re- I'm gonna repeat that. 21 yards per carry. Three carries of 70 yards or or 69 yards, nice or longer. So just process that. That that that's otherworldly. That's insane. Um, and look, that's not taking anything away from Rasheen Ali. I thought he played well. Uh, he didn't get in the triple digits, uh, but 28 carries for 79 yards and two touchdowns. That's an efficient afternoon. Um, and look, Marshall got the win. Uh, r- really, th- their defense kind of bailed them out with one of those three interceptions uh, from Shields getting returned for a touchdown. Um, but look, in hindsight, now Marshall's four and zero. So look, no win. Not not every win is going to be pretty, but sometimes you just have to find a way to claw it out. Uh, and I, I think Marshall did a nice job of doing that on Saturday. But now they, they've kind of got to flip the script because I know this isn't a conference game, but you got a really decent North Carolina State team on on your schedule now, and that would be a huge win uh, to pick up an ACC win right here before you get into the gauntlet that is the remainder of your Sun Belt Conference schedule with Georgia State, James Madison, Coastal Carolina, App State. Need I continue? Um, but look, good win by Marshall. I think overall it was a solid performance by Old Dominion as well. Um, they are a better team than I gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. And I'm not just saying that because my team lost to them. Um, they, they, they're they a better football team than the mo- I think any of us expected them to be. Uh, so, look, good win by Marshall, good performance by ODU. But at the end of the day, Marshall's 4-0. Before we move on from this game, I do want to shout out Cam Fancher, who we've kind of been talking about how he might have regressed, if not flatlined, from what we kind of – Saw from him last season uh, after he won the job or, you know, got the job. He passed 82 completion percentage, also ran for 102 yards. uh, As Matt talked about with Zeon Chris, if they had lost, maybe you're not so happy about the 100 yards, but he he played really well, man. Might I I say that Mr. Zeke Palermo is the president of the Camp Fancher NIL Collective, Uh, so... <laughs> the, the, I, I would I would like to see the check stub that uh that, that you were receiving from one Mr. Fancher. He had a great game. We we've been dogging him about how he he was how he was so middling over the past couple games. I mean, sure he played real well against Albany, but then against East Carolina and Virginia Tech, he was again like I said about Jack Shields, a quarterback that played for Marshall. Um, but no, he, he really looked legitimate. I, I, I agree with you. Fancher played really well. I mean, 29 to 35, 278 yards. He added 100 yards on the ground. I mean, yeah, no, he played really well. There's no question about that. Uh, but it, it's just funny how you went from last week, oh, you know, Cam Fancher's okay, to, wow, Cam Fancher looked really good. Like, this guy's paying you, bro. I, I'm happy to admit <laughs> that I will base my opinion on performance. I, I will. N I L. N I L. So, so Matt, just for reference, next week when uh, Fancher throws for like one fifty and three picks against NC State, Zeke's we gonna be sitting there with a taser, this. just like ready to tase him in the back. Like we we will revisit this. <laughs> so I I do want to say two things. I I agree because I, I 
I was also on Fancher's back last last week, and I feel like rightfully so. Like he's had some really awful performances, but I do want to add a caveat. He was playing Old Dominion. Like, give him credit for playing well. It wasn't the highest level of competition you'll see in the entire Sunbelt. So I just maybe put the brakes on a tad until they, they sort of up their level of competition and we see them uh, play some better teams. But Marshall gets the win and, and as Matt says, stays undefeated 4-0, 1-0 in conference play. Old Dominion drops to 2-3 and and is now 1-1. and in the Sun Belt. Uh getting into my game, uh Georgia Southern beat Coastal Carolina 38-28. Um this was a really weird game honestly to watch. Um neither team started that fast. Um it, there it took a lot for any points to to be scored. It was sort of like a field position game. Um Grace McCall runs in a touchdown early in the first quarter and then they just sort of trade possessions after that point but ultimately georgia southern woke up in the second quarter they scored 21 points and then they wake up in the third quarter or come out in the third quarter score another 17 and that was their output for the game the i I think the headline from this one was grayson mccall throws four picks against the eagles he threw a coastal both scored a touchdown offensively and he threw an interception in each quarter so nothing like consistency you know so Good, good on him for that. I like Grace McCall a lot, but man, he he stunk in this. It was it was rough. Anybody, Bueller? Uh, I I want to ask what happened. I mean, he's a going into this game. McCall had had only thrown two interceptions all year, and, and Georgia Southern had only forced three. So I I want to know what really happened here, bro. Yeah, I mean he he made some <laughs> he made some Jesus he made some. He made some terrible decisions, honestly. Like, there were a couple of interceptions that he threw, and I say a couple because there were four of them. So, like, you know, you can sort of say, like, two of them. Two of them were absolutely brain dead. Like, it was throwing the ball up into double coverage and it getting picked off and then walking to the sideline and being like, eh, like, what can you do? Um, One of them uh, in the third quarter wasn't really his fault. Uh, They were in kind of backed up into their own, I guess, their own red zone. And he threw a ball and it got tipped at the line and the linebacker for Georgia Southern just landed square in his hands and he returned it for a touchdown. Now he went untouched, so you can say what you want about that. But that they just didn't look coherent offensively. And this is sort of what the problem with the Tim Beck experiment has been is you take a great quarterback, you put him with a, a play caller that has never really seen any tangible results and this is sort of what you get which is he's out there fighting for his life and having to be like everything to everybody instead of just sort of staying inside of himself and playing you know the offense that they had played under Chadwell which was so successful but they like Bennett was okay for them but like it, it didn't it didn't show up on the stat sheet I mean he ran for 115 but it was the the quietest 115 that you've ever seen like it didn't really affect the game at all so it was just Again, the, I, I, it wasn't a domination, but it was just like you could tell you could tell like Coastal was fighting everything with everything they had to even stay in this game. And it was just it got it got kind of ugly after a while because it was just like they didn't really have much else to give at that point. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, Matt, if you don't have anything on this, we can sort of move on here. Davis Brin played really well. Three touchdowns. Yeah, he, yards. he did. Um 
I, I didn't get to really see any of this game, uh, but but you know I, I did break down the game summary and and the box score and whatnot. Um, and you know on paper it, it looks like Davis Bren played very well, and uh, this was a really solid win for for Georgia Southern. So so bravo. They finally get over the hump. They haven't beaten Coastal since 2019. Um, yeah. And the the funny thing is, I think this is the first time they've ever played Grayson McCall, which is the funny part, because every year he's either been injured or I think there was like a concussion at one point, maybe a suspension thrown in there. Well, that like, is That is an injury. Yeah, but I think there was like... <laughs> I think it was just, it was always weird stuff. Like it, it was like Grace McCall is going to play. And then guess what? Friday, he's got an ankle injury. He's not coming out. Like it was that type of stuff. So the funny thing is they're actually one to know, I think against Grace McCall because every other time they've lost, it's been to a backup. Um, but yeah, Bryn pr- played really well. Uh, offensively, they, they kind of struggled early and were really struggling to get a first down. And then it just sort of the floodgates open. So that's that's just kind of what happened. Um, um, can can I can I introduce this next game? Yeah, if you'd like. Uh, but let me wrap okay. this up first. Georgia Southern moves to four and one with the win, one and zero in conference play. Coastal drops to two and three. Another two and three. A uh, uh, yikes. Zero uh, and two in the Sun Belt. Matt, I know what the game is, so go for it. So Troy goes on the road to. Turner Field slash Center Park Stadium slash whatever the hell you want to call it, um, and embarrasses, embarrasses Georgia State. So, no. Mr. Mr. Palermo, I have a question for no. you. I have a question yeah. for you. What? What you got? Georgia State! What happened? How, how you lost your first game to Troy? He's just one guy! He is just one guy. So, first, I want to dispel this idea. You know what? That guy must be good. They just lost to some guy named Troy? Just a dude. Hmm. Interesting. He actually just plays basketball. Um, So, I want to dispel this idea that they got embarrassed. Um, Darren Granger got embarrassed. and, And Darren Granger, who we've been plotting all year, myself included, for being having figured out his consistency issue showed flashes of what he's been the past two seasons, which is really, really good at playing quarterback as long as he doesn't turn the ball over. And and he turned the ball over three times. I'll I'll concede. I, I, I believe that the first interception that he threw, which was on the first drive of the game was his fault, but he was really trying to throw it away. And it was a miraculous pickoff by the Troy defensive back. Um, and, and then in addition, I think the score line looks uglier than it should have because Kamani Vidal scored with six seconds left in the game. Um, obviously you can't just pretend that those two things didn't happen, but I don't think Georgia state got embarrassed. They, they saw what is not, hear me out. I, uh, what we saw is what happens when Darren Granger doesn't show up to play or, or doesn't have it clicking. And that is an offense that. As good as Marcus Carroll can be, as good as Darren Granger can run, if Granger isn't passing the ball well and he isn't running the ball well, for that matter, the offense isn't very good. So I don't think it was an embarrassment, much so as a we kind of thought that this side of Georgia State had disappeared, and it didn't disappear. It's still here, and 
it's just really up to Sean Elliott to, you know, hi, shake away this Jekyll and Hyde that, that they've been playing with for the past three years. It's just, if you're clicking, you're good. If you're not, you're not. Uh, I, I don't think it's an embarrassment. It's just a reveal of what we all knew as truth. Um, so I, I think the conclusion that I came up with uh, after this weekend is I think we were just giving Coastal too much credit because Georgia State's mm-hmm. one conference win was over Coastal on a Thursday night. I, mm-hmm. I think we just gave them too much credit. Like Georgia State, I think, is still at their heart a good football team, but I think we put too much on their win over Coastal, right. and that sort of sent the expectations you know, in an upward trajectory, and that's just okay. not not really where they are. So I have a, I have a counterpoint to, to what Zeke had to say. And, and look, I will, I will rephrase my, my wording. I will rescind the word embarrassment because you, you brought up a lot of fair points. So I'll give you that. However, I, I, I guess I have a question to ask you. What were your thoughts on Georgia state's defense? Because we've talked multiple times on this podcast about how we fought that Gunnar Watson was a mid quarterback. Mm-hmm. He completed nearly eighty percent of his passes. Yeah. So you know, uh, what, what were your thoughts on the defense? Uh my thought, my thoughts are the same. It's been all year. Is that they play a little soft uh, with ter- in terms of their coverages, which leads a guy like Gunnar Watson to to increase his yardage and pass uh, pass completion because he can't go broke taking a profit. Um, I, I also don't believe that this team tackles incredibly well, um, which I, I think I've been saying for a couple weeks now. Um, they, they're looking better on third down defensively. Troy was six for 14, which still is a touch high for, for what you would really like to see, but it's better than what it was at the beginning of the season. Um, so like, I don't think we learned anything from the defense in that they play a little soft coverages. They don't tackle great. And they're not great on third down. I, I mean, I, I don't believe that this team um, was at any point like really just taken advantage of. Uh, they were never really gashed for anything super huge. Uh, and so I I feel confident in, in this defense moving forward to at the maybe not win you games, but hold off enough so that when Darren Granger is clicking to to hold the defense or the opposing team to however many Granger scores. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, as Matt said, Gunnar Watson played fairly well, 256, one touchdown, one interception, Kimani Vidal, 76 yards and a score. Uh, Barber, their receiver, uh, 121 yards on seven grabs. He looked good, good in this one. Marcus Carroll played fairly well for the Panthers, 75 yards and a score. But I mean, like you said, just, a bad performance by Granger. You compound that with a, a defense that can't get off the field on third down, and that's that's sort of what you're left with. So Troy moves to three and two with the win, and is now one and one in conference play. Georgia State drops to four and one, and is now also one and one in the Sun Belt. Uh, let's get into this next next one here. Maybe the least surprising game of the entire night. Texas State beats Southern Miss fifty to thirty six. Uh, TJ Finley was great in this one again um ismail Mahdi, the running back had three touchdowns and 89 yards man what a what a train wreck southern misses and and zeke i'm gonna give you the floor because i know they're your favorite team and favorite fan base but man 
just just a tough one for your your Golden Eagles. Yeah, man. I bright side the big the big bright side here is that Frank Gore is maybe officially back. Uh, he ran for 123 and two touchdowns on only 24 carries. He he played exceptionally well. And Rodriguez Clark, who was kind of their their two back while uh, Gore was starting up his engine to begin the season, he also had a really good game, averaged eight yards per carry. But this team did not play well. I mean, Texas State scored all but eight of their points. That's 42 points in the first half. Southern Miss scored all of their points, again, save for one touchdown and a field goal in the second half. And by that point, the game was over. There, there's nothing to like about this offense, and that's been my my narrative, if you will, uh, since day one about Southern Miss is that they're not like a cruddy team or anything. It's just the offense is not good. Billy Wiles continues their tragedy of, of poor quarterback play, and, and it's Frank Gore plus 10 guys they picked up off campus. <laughs> so... Matt, I, I want to point one thing out, and then I want to ask, I want to prompt you with a question here. The first thing I want to pro- point out is, you know, it was a bad day, or it was going to be a bad day when Ismail Mahdi on the first play from scrimmage returns a kick a hundred yards for a score, and that's how you open the game. That's when you know you're like, this is going to be rough today. Um, the thing I want to ask you is, <sighs> up forty two thirty six. I guess you want to make it a two-score game. Why did they go for? Why did they go for two with a minute thirty-nine left in the game? Up, uh, what twelve points at that stage? What was the what was the potential threat there, Matt? Because GJ Kinney is a baller, and he has the ultimate trust in his offense to get the job done. And because here's the thing, from an analytics perspective, okay, yeah, you you, you kick the extra point, and it's forty-nine thirty-six. Great. But what does that do? What, what What's the difference between it being a 12-point lead, a 13-point lead, or a 14-point lead? They still need two touchdowns. So why not? Why not? Because, um, look, if you got enough trust in your defense to say, hey, they have 99 seconds and they need to score at a minimum 12 points, I feel good about my chances. So, I mean, look, I, I don't disagree with the call. I don't know that I would have made it. I, I probably would have said, you know, just, just take the points. Let's not you know, run the score up either. Let, let's just get what we got to get and get out of here. Uh, but look, you know, I, I can't say enough about how well TJ Finley has played. Um, and, and it's crazy because when he was at LSU and then he was at Auburn, it was, okay, this guy might be a little overrated because he was highly recruited out of high school. And it was, okay, this guy may be a little overrated. And then he goes to Texas State and in G.J. Kinney's offense, which we saw the success that he was able to have with Lindsey Scott Jr. last year, at Incarnate Word. And now TJ Finley is absolutely thriving. And then you bring up Ishmael Mahdi. Look, I don't know where this guy came from. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he went to school before Texas State. And and quite frankly, I, I don't care. The guy's an animal. 50 carries, 488 yards, seven touchdowns. And then, oh yeah, he brought a kick back. And I don't I, I'm, I'm not going to say that I know this for a fact. I don't think that was his first return touchdown of the season. Um, so, so this guy is absolutely just incredible. Um, look, I, I, and I know we're going to get into the um, this next week's games here in a few minutes, but Louisiana has never lost to Texas State. 
I am very concerned about that streak going into this Saturday. <laughs> Zeke, go ahead. Yeah, because uh, you're talking about Finley. Incredible. Are we going to gloss over that they're running a bit of a Tim Tebow, Mark Sanchez, QQB thing with Malik Hornsby? When that guy comes in, you know they're going to run the ball, and the dude still ran for 17 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I wonder what's – I'm just curious what's going on. Why are we making that call? It's working, right? The, the guy's running the ball well, and he's scoring for him. He's got four rushing touchdowns on the year. But the, I don't think we've talked about that yet, and it, it needs to be addressed. The same reason that Sean Payton used to run his illegitimate son, Taysom Hill, directly up the middle when he had Drew Brees at quarterback. That's why. Just because. Um, Matt, one of the things that you... Because you can! (laughs) Because you can. Uh, One thing that you mentioned was he when you saw TJ Finley at Auburn, you thought he was a bust. He actually reminds me of another Auburn quarterback that I thought was a bust, Bo Nix. Because... Bodacious, baby! Because at... At Auburn, I watched Bo Nix be absolutely awful. And I was like, this absolutely guy stinks on ice. Like, get him off the field. And yep. then he goes to a team that has a competent play caller, players around him, a scheme. He knows what he's doing and where he's supposed to go with the football. It's not just playing whack-a-mole with the offense, being like, I, I guess I'm going to throw it to this guy. I have no idea what route he's running or if he's going to be there when I throw it. But let's see how it goes. Look. Yeah, it, it's been so impressive to watch what G.J. Kinney has done um, because, look, a lot of people didn't know who he was outside of his playing career at Tulsa. They didn't know about his offensive philosophy as a coach. They didn't know what he was going to be able to do. And he came into Texas State and completely flipped the culture 180 because, look, there's no reason that a mid-major school in Texas should be bad at football. With the amount of high school talent that you have in Texas and in Louisiana and in Oklahoma and in that little air, that little circle, there's no reason that you should be bad at football. Now, am I saying that you should be a 12 and 0 team? No, but you should be competing for bowl games. Like there, there's no reason that that you're a below average football team. Uh, so GJ Kenny came in, he made Texas State realize that, and man, I mean. They're scary good. Offensively, defensively, they're disciplined. They're good. And yeah. I I am I am very, very concerned for this Saturday afternoon. So let's move on from this one. But uh, again, you can't say enough good things about what GJ Kine, Kenny, I don't I don't know how his last name is 100% pronounced. But anyway, he's doing a hell of a job at Texas State in San Marcos. Uh, Texas State's role in their 4-0 just picked up their first Sunbelt win in the season. Southern Miss drops to 1-4 and four and 0-2 and in the Sunbelt. They're a mess. Um, so I want to get into the last game of the night, and I sent you guys a video. Uh, I wanted you to do a little homework because just, just for context, I, I tweeted this out before we started recording, but also I, I want to sort of let people know where I what I was doing when this, when this all went down with ULM and App. So App ultimately wins 41-40. The story, though, to me, is I flip over Georgia Southern and Coastal ends, right? I flip the channel over. I see ULM and Apper are late in the game. It's close. I'm like, let me see what's going on there. Matt, would you like to describe the series of events that took place in the video that I sent you? Because this was also the first play that I saw. Certainly. 
Um, so, so the video was the final five minutes of, and the first play, it was 40 to 38 ULM lead fourth and two, I believe from the three yard line. And I don't know, God, I hope there was a miscommunication, um, because Jaya Wright runs this RPO zone flex bone read option thing. And r- runs it horribly, might might I add. Um, and, and he ends up dropping back to pass while his offensive line is run blocking. Mm, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Guess what? It didn't. Um, so now App State gets the ball back down to five minutes on the clock. And you're going, okay, you know, we're going to move the ball down the field. We're going to milk the clock. We're going to get out of here. App State gets to midfield, fourth and nine. Joey Aguilar takes off and he slides or trips or whatever you want to want to say about half a yard short of the line. So ULM gets the ball back. 90 seconds left. App State is going to have to call all three of their timeouts. All you have to do is get a first down. One first down. That's all you needed. One first down. No, no. ULM is is too incompetent to do that. Too um, easy. That's what right. a nor- that's what a normal football team would do. We have to make it hard. So then. App State gets the ball again with like 30 seconds left, maybe 45 um, at, at their own 20. According according to ESPN, they had a minute two left when they started their final drive. Okay, e- even so. Um, and you had to go 40 yards to have a chance for your kicker to, to make it. And they do. And, and it was I, a I just, bomb. It was a bomb of a kick. And that kick would have been good from 60. I mean, he had plenty of leg on it. Um, but look, I I just... You and I were talking about this before we started recording. If you're ULM, five minutes left, you're up two. Fourth down at the three. Why are you not kicking a field goal and making this a touchdown game? Because here's the thing. If App State... Sucks up those final five minutes and scores a touchdown. Well, then good for them. They deserve to win. That that's just that's football. But say App State goes down the field and you get the ball back again with what two minutes left, maybe you go down the field, kick a field goal, you win the game. You know how big of a win it would have been for ULM to go beat App. I know it's I know it's a conference game, so it's not supposed to be that big of a deal. But ULM has been struggling for years. This would have been a huge win, and by the way, it would have put them at three and one. I just, I don't understand the play call. And you can be mad at the players for, you know, getting it wrong or or whatever. Why even put your players in that situation if you're Terry Bowden? That doesn't make sense to me. I think think it's because you trust the defense here. It is a risky call. It's a gutsy call. And a a win against Nappy is huge. I get it. But look, uh, it would have been a 96-yard drive. Um, it which App State had not done all game. They had two uh, real long drives, but most of their drives this game were, were 30, 40 yards. I, 30, 40 yards. I mean, App had a drive this game that started on the opposing 45, and they had to settle for a field goal. Uh, I don't hate the play call down there. I think it. if you watch the play, the quarterback's eyes go straight to the end. It is clearly some sort of read with the fullback. And I, my guess would be that the idea is it's either a pitch or like a, a swing pass to the sh- receiver that's kick uh, the the tailback 
that's that's kicking out right. Um, I, I don't think it's a terrible play call. I, I think App was just all over it. Um, it is a gutsy call, but when your defense has held App to relatively short drives, I I personally don't hate it. See, Zeke, and that's that's my take on it. See Zeke, I couldn't disagree more. That it was maybe the most baffling play call I've ever seen in that situation. You've got a, a guy in Jaya Wright who's got some mobility to him. He was the leading rusher for the Warhawks, seventy-four yards and a touchdown. How are you not at the minimum lining up in the shotgun and trying to get him out on the edge in space? Or do something. Don't don't run this weird. It, it, Matt and I were talking before we started recording. It was like a it was like a flex bone option play action or something. Like it, Georgia Southern used to run those like fourteen years ago. Like I've seen it a lot, but I've just never seen it run quite that incompetently. I think is is sort of what I took away from it. I mean, I I tweeted this on Saturday. I was like flabbergasted when that play happened because I was just sitting there going, "There's no way they really did that, right? Like, is this like mm-hmm. a prank?" Like, are they just going to, are they going to have revealed that they called a timeout and they just haven't announced it yet? No, that was the play. Maybe it's because I've never been a fan of a triple option team. I'm not exhausted of it. And and I I haven't seen firsthand that it realistically, it is just, you know, trying, trying to play dinosaurs while the rest of the kids want to play astronauts. It, it, but it's not quite. Jai, you're right. Jai Wright has the speed to get the edge, so give him the option if it's available to hand it off to the fullback and, and let him make that trust your quarterback again to make that decision to cut it off. I think App was just all over it. No, no, I I mean more of line up in a traditional like read option look, run on RPO, do something to mm-hmm. where Jai Wright has room to maneuver one side or the other. The thing that you do when you pack it in, unless you have Jalen Hurts and you run in the tush push, like if you have that kind of quarterback, you need he needs to have space to get around the defense in some way. He's not Tim Tebow, who you mentioned a little bit earlier. He's not running through four guys on the way to the end zone. Like he needs room to go somewhere. He can't just run directly up the center. So I don't know, man. The funny thing is the win probability for this game is like it, it's a mountain. And then all of a sudden it's Valley, all ULM, and then it's just a straight line up for App. So it's just, it's one of the funnier like win probability sheets you'll ever see. Uh, Joey Aguilar played good in this one for App. Uh, 335, three touchdowns, two picks. Nate Noel had 109 yards. Horn, their receiver, had 124 yards for App and two touchdowns. It, it, was, it was a great game. It was a points fest. I just, I hate to see it end on a... Essentially, a, I mean, it didn't end because ULM still had chances, but it was just like brain fart city for the, the Warhawks. Like, I don't understand what was going on. Um, so anyway. I want to jump in, I guess, yeah. uh, and just talk again about the app side of this because we've torn to shreds here, ULM. I don't, App State doesn't get to get away from this scot-free. Um, and this is also a self-plug because I, I had a real long thread on Twitter about this. App State plays one half of football and disappears. They scored 28 first half points. And, and you might think, oh, well, we put, you know, we're up, we, we got 28, we can let off the gas. It was tied 28 28. It's not time to put up the brakes. And the rest of the game, they score one touchdown and, and two field goals. One of those field goals, again, being the 54 some odd yarder that they walked it off on. And the other one being only 28 because they had to kick it from the 11. 
App State and, and Sean Clark, I Brian, you've talked to me before about how you feel in uneasiness from App fans about Sean Clark. And I think I may have identified why he wins games, but it's so uneasy. It's that they only come out and play one half of football. Um, the which half it, it depends game to game because they're they're per per half numbers are roughly equivalent. It's like nineteen point eight points in first halves, nineteen point nine in second halves. It's roughly equivalent there. But in seventy five percent of games, we're we're looking at a, a half where you're scoring fifteen plus in one half, but not in the other. Uh, and again, I, I'm putting it in words poorly. Check it out on Twitter at Zeke Palermo. I, I think it's a banger of a tweet thread. But App State doesn't get to to get away scot free from this because they scored twenty eight first half points and and won, but it, they only scored thirteen in the second. Yeah. So with that, App escapes uh, UL Monroe with a a win in this one. App is now three and two and is now one and zero oh in the Sun Belt. ULM drops to two and two and is now. Uh, 0-1 in the conference. So let's jump into week six, fellas. Uh, a lot less, a lot fewer games. There's now bye weeks we have to factor in. Conference play is also happening. There's only one game where a team in the Sun Belt is playing an out-of-conference opponent, so we've got a lot less to talk about. But with that said, uh, the slate on Saturday starts at 2 p.m. Eastern, probably sandwiched between a rerun of Smallville and the Vampire Diaries on the CW Network. We've got Marshall playing NC State in Raleigh. NC State is a six and a half point favorite over under is 44 and a half. I've been pretty good on the over unders. I think I'm going to take the under here. I think last week was kind of an aberration for Marshall. Um, They're not going to score quite as much as they did last week. And I've watched NC State even post Tim Beck try to run an offense. And I'm saying that in air quotes because you can call it that if you want. It looks so hard for them to do anything. <laughs> like I watched them play Louisville, and it was like it was like watching my top my three year old try to ride a tricycle for the first time. It, it is absolutely brutal. So give me the under. I think this one could be twenty one to ten final score. So that's that's my pick. Bro, give your give your daughter some credit. She could ride a tricycle better than better than that. No, it, it's just, it's like learning to ride a bike, but this is a football team that's now five games into the season, and so, they don't know how to run an offense. Speaking of bikes, y'all want to know a fun fact about me? I can't ride one. No way. Why? De- dead serious. I've, I've, I've never known how to ride a bike. Did you ever own a bike? Yes. And nobody ever taught you how to ride one? My parents tried, um, and I fell off one too many times. And I've kind of been a perfectionist since I was a little kid, and I couldn't do it right, so I just gave it up. And I've, I don't know how to ride a bike. Zeke, they were like, this was probably like pre-helmet uh, in, in initiative. His parents looked at him and was like, we got to get this kid off the bike. His brain's going to be scrambled egg by, by the time he's eight years old. <laughs> yeah. And he ended up a Louisiana fan nonetheless. He roots for the Saints by choice. Can you believe that? <laughs> hey, um, hey Zeke, you want to know something funny? Here we go. Yeah, I love funny stuff. Do you, know what, do you know what mode I usually keep my, my cell phone on? Like airplane, do not disturb. Falcons. 
No yeah, why is that? No, no ring. what? No ring. No ring. Get it? Because you you haven't won a Super Bowl. Oh, and how many how many do the Bills have? Oh wait, uh, <laughs> zero. Who 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 went who went four straight years and choked it away every time? Come at my teams again. He, hey, here's a great. Where was Zeke in history? I wasn't alive. For, I don't care, bro. Four straight. I don't care. I wasn't born. That's old history. The Saints, the Saints are one and zero in the Super Bowl, baby. Get some. We'll we'll save this for the bonus episode or whatever, but. Looked like the best team in the NFL against Miami, that's for sure. All right, so we got to make a pick on this game. So can we can we co- sort of bring it back around? Who wants to? Who wants? To Give me Marshall. Game? Give me Marshall here. Or I'm sorry, NC State. Give me NC State. Take that. Uh, NC State against the spread. They they played Louisville really well, even with the loss. Uh, I think holding Louisville to 13 was uh, pretty good. And, and as you said, Marshall's not going to put up. Uh, as many points as they did last week. Give me NC State minus six and a half. I'm going to go opposite. I'm gonna I'm gonna say give me Marshall plus six and a half. Um, I think Rasheen Ali has a breakout game after being quiet uh, this past week against Old Dominion. Um, I, I think he blows up. I think Cam Fancher continues his nice run of form. Charles Huss got a good thing going in Huntington, and uh, so look, give me give me Marshall on a close one. All right, so let's get into uh, Sunbelt on Sunbelt action. We've got Texas State visiting Lafayette to take on the Cajuns. Louisiana, Matt, at the very least, is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, over under- yeah, that scares me even more. Over under 68. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, so betting online just became legal here last Thursday in Kentucky. Yeah, dude, congratulations, Kentucky. Yeah. You finally moved up in the world. Yeah, I can bet on any horse race in the world for the past 10 years. Can't, Couldn't possibly bet on a sporting event. Um, so earlier, I took Texas State plus one, and the line has moved even more, which I can't tell if, if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I took Texas State plus one, so give them to me again at plus two and a half. I think they're going to win this game, Matt. I know that. I know that hurts you, but I think they're just yeah, that, a good that, football team. That that stings a little bit. Um, but look, UL minus two and a half. You get three points for being the home team. Uh, so this is basically a pick 'em. So look, I'm not gonna pick 'em. I'm staying away from the spread. I'm staying away from the money line. Give me the over. Mm-hmm. This is a shootout. Yeah. 45-38 kind of game. Give me the over. Yeah, over was certainly my pick as well. I think both of these teams are scoring at least 35. The defense is, I mean, offense is spectacular, but even more so the defense is quite porous. So I'll take the over for sure. Okay. Uh, This next one, 4 o'clock Eastern time kick ESPN+. Plus. Arkansas State is traveling to Troy um, to get their head in the game against the Trojans. Uh, Troy is a 16 point favorite over unders 52. Um, I'm actually going to take the under here of 52. I think Troy does what Troy does normally, which is just make it really, really ugly. And I just saw, listen, Zeke, for as much as we talked about Georgia state, Georgia state's a better football team than Arkansas state. I, Mm -hmm. I like the things that their new, that Arkansas state's new quarterback has done. Georgia State's a better team than them, and they just got held to seven at home. So I'm going to take the under, and I think this one's real ugly, but I think Troy wins. But 16's a lot of points for a team that doesn't typically 
score all that much. So I'm going to take the under in this. Uh, I think I like the under as well. Or I do like the under as well, but I'll take Troy minus 16. Um, for the reason you just said, Arkansas State is still a mile and a half behind Georgia State. And I don't think they have uh, the ability to score more than 7 or 10 against Troy. And uh, Troy, in their wins, scores 27-plus. Uh, it, it's going to be, you know, uh, you've called, you both have said before, a rock fight, just throwing rocks at each other because it's going to be it's going to be a tough game to watch at times. But uh, I think Troy certainly scores 27, and I don't think uh, Arkansas State can score more than 10. I disagree wholeheartedly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Troy wins this football game. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that you know Arkansas State's gonna go in there and upset them. Um, now, don't get me wrong. As a fan of chaos, I would love to see. Them. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm gonna take the under as well. But I think Arkansas State keeps it within. Okay. Um, I think that's gonna be a really rough proposition. I mean, I like I said, could you imagine if that if this week's spread was the spread with Georgia State and it's 21 to seven. And then uh, Troy just punches in a short touchdown with like no time on the clock, and you're just screwed. Like that's the way he would have been talking about you that night. That's a bad beat, bro. Yeah. Um, And then seven o'clock ESPN plus seven o'clock Eastern time ESPN plus uh, South Alabama is coming into UL Monroe. Listen, we we talked a lot of crap about UL Monroe. They they totally choked that game away. I think there is something to playing in Monroe at night. South Alabama has not been impressive. I don't think UL Monroe wins the game, but I'm taking plus 10.5 all day. What stories have you heard about Malone Stadium? Nothing. <laughs> there's there's no juju okay. there. Okay, last year, I, I didn't hear any stories. I'm just saying, like, from what I've seen, it's like last year, Coastal was a pretty good football team, correct? They really yep. struggled against UL Monroe. And then you get last week with App. App really struggled. We can we talked about the brain fart that that UL Monroe had, but App did struggle at the end of the day. Like that was sort of overarching. This man says Monroe's got some nighttime uh, voodoo. Yeah, it it might. I mean, it's got some juice. I think. Um, but here's the here's the other thing. I, South Alabama's totally lost me. Like they lost the plot. They don't know what they're doing. I certainly sure as hell don't know what they're doing. If someone, uh, I've said this last week, if somebody knows what's going on, email us at warmweatherfans at gmail.com. I have no clue what's going on with South Alabama this season. No idea. So plus 10.5 is my pick, UL, ULM. I think South Alabama wins ultimately, but I think it's like a field goal again. So I'm, I'm going to take South Alabama straight up. Um, I think 10.5 is a lot of points. Um especially the way they've played the last couple of weeks, the over under 51, I could see it getting that high. And then I could also see it being, you know, a 17, 10 type game. So I'm going to stay away from that as, as well. But uh, money, money line, I, I think South Alabama wins the game. I, I like the over here because I think the only situation where we, we've got a, the under is going to be where, I, I don't envision a 17-10 game, like like Matt just said. I, I don't think that's in the cards. So the only situation where it's going to be hit the under is, is if one team runs away and it's like 35-7, which I also don't think is in the cards. I, I think I, I don't know which way it's going to fall, but I think this ends 
you know, 2135 or, you know, 4228, somewhere in that range. So give me over 51 for sure. I mean, outside of the Oklahoma State game, has South Alabama's defense given you any reason to believe that they can just absolutely shut somebody down? I mean, no. let's be totally real. So that's sort of my thought process on it. I think Jaya Wright's going to be in for another busy day. Let's just hope they don't run, I don't know, the annexation of Puerto Rico or something again. Like, <laughs> it's so, it's just been gross. Zeke, you get that reference, right? No, no chance. Oh, no. man. Oh, Again, one of the things I've heard but never really followed up on. Is that Little Giants? Little Giants. Okay, yeah. In the, in the words of Ed O'Neill, who's the, the Cowboys coach, and that one, Fobolewski, Fobolewski, Fobolewski. He's just losing his mind on the sideline. <laughs> the annexation of Puerto Rico. Um, oh, dude. The greatest football play ever invented. So this is a game I absolutely hate picking because uh, yep. 7 o'clock Eastern time, ESPN Plus, Old Dominion's traveling to Southern Miss. Southern Miss is a one-and-a-half-point favorite over under 58-and-a-half. Shoot me. I'd rather yep. do that than pick one at something on this game, to be totally honest. Like, the over-under is really high. Southern Miss can't score. So, like, what are you going to hang your hat on here? Southern Miss I'm, is a favorite, and they're one-and-four this season. I'm legitimately not making a pick on this game. I'm not. <laughs> Just make, No, no. I, I'm going to make a pick, but that, w- that would be my pick if you were to be like – let me put a gun up to your head and you pick this game right, or I, I shoot. Okay, you. fine. Just shoot me because I'm going to get it wrong. Old Dominion wins seven to six. I I had Old Dominion plus one and a half. That's my pick. I mean, this I is the ugliest it ugly. It's maybe the least confident I've ever been on yep. this show picking anything. Is this is going to be horrible. Horrible. <laughs> it's disgusting. Charles Charles Barkley. Terrible. It's, it's going to be terrible. It's like Charles's golf swing. It's just awful. Um. 58 and a half. Neither of these teams score points. Uh, Southern Miss is a little... Uh, both teams are tend to be porous defensively. Uh, and I... But golly. I can't count on anybody in this game on the offensive side of the ball other than Frank Gore. And from what we've seen this season, there's like a 40% chance he gets 12 touches for 30 yards. Well, you gotta, you got. Uh, apparently, he's like Dracula. You have to like wake him from his coffin, and then he'll give you like 120 yards and a score. But if you don't, then he's just like some dude. So I've I've got a lightning round pick for you guys. You ready for this? Yeah. Let's go to the FCS, the Southland Conference. Oh God. Owen five McNeese State <coughs> against Owen four Texas A&M Commerce. You remember that team that Old Dominion only yes. beat by one point? Yeah, mm-hmm. that game. Commerce. Give me the A&M Commerce. They played a great game against Old Dominion. Yeah, forced five turnovers. Now, granted, to Old Dominion's defense, that was a mud fest. It poured. But, yeah, I mean, you hosted a Southland team and you had to survive. Yikes. My pick is Bane shows up with the detonator at, in the opening <laughs> kickoff. And then we and then we all just go home. Such a great <laughs> like, game, by the way. That was good. Um, so that does it for this, uh, this coming week in the Sun Belt. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. Um, Zeke, before your computer just absolutely crumbles in front of your very eyes, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and then we can throw it over to Matt. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. Y'all need to get there because I feel like I've had some absolute bangers in the past week that have gotten no traction except for like OnlyFans bots. 
not e- not even real women. Oh. Like um, and, and so uh, I I need some interaction over there, uh, Matt. I know you're on Twitter as well. I didn't know Palermo had game. Golly! Say what you want, man. <laughs> you can find me on this. Ash does numbers. You can find me on social media at Matt. Sorry, I, I, Zeke, I was gonna endorse people follow you, and then you tweeted out the the words from the Dabo Sweeney TikTok, and then I just I'm I'm out on you. As a, as a, <laughs> I woke up this morning. It has been running through my head all day. The Dabo Sweeney TikTok. If you don't know what it is, look up Dabo Sweeney TikTok, and it is the greatest recruiting video I've ever seen no, in my life. It's not. It's the worst. <laughs> it's that, awesome. That is very incorrect, <laughs> Matt. It's like Matt. You know what it is, right? I've seen it. Oh yeah, it's like walking into the bathroom and saying "Bloody Mary" in the mirror three times. Oh hey, like, real quick, fuck. what did did y'all see the the NIL thing with Utah? No, dude. So there was the the Utah NIL collective partnered with a Dodge dealership. Every scholarship player on Utah's roster got a 2024 Ram 1500. Now, if they run out of eligibility or transfer, they have to return the truck because they're leased. If they run out of eligibility, so so they're holding it they're holding the seniors responsible for being older. Is that what we're saying? Correct. Correct. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So like if a senior a senior got his truck today, right? In 6 weeks when the season ends, he has to give it back. So there are guys going to go out there and break their own legs to get NCAA waivers so that oh, they can yeah. keep their, their lifted 1500. We're, we're going to have we're going to have five more Cam McCormick's requesting their ninth year of eligibility. <laughs> oh, Cam Rising is reenacting the scene from Misery where he breaks his own ankle with a sledgehammer. He wants that car, Jim. Cameron, um, Cameron Rising has become a, a, a scientific anomaly. Uh, he has gone back in time four years and made himself a freshman again. Anyway, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, the show at Warm Weather Fans. Um, you can follow, you can send us an email, warmweatherfans at gmail.com. Questions, comments, all that sort of good stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. We will be back next week to talk more Sunbelt football on Warm Weather Fans. <laughs>